Hello, how's it going, man? Not too bad. How you doing? Uh, well, here I'll let you know with this. Oh, mine's already in a glass because uh, I'm a I'm a fancy boy and drinking uh, my beer out of a glass. You lifting your pinky while you do that, or I what? I am lifting my pinky. Thought so. Yep. <laughs> oh, what a week! What a week! Yeah, I'm tired, man, but in a good way. In yeah. uh, the way of it's not good, and I'm just trying to not complain. So. <laughs> well, what's complaining get you anyway? Yeah, exactly. But your week was a lot more interesting. I don't know how much you want to blab about that, but know. how was your week? It was it was good. I had a little quick little trip to visit some family, uh, so I did some traveling. And, uh, you know, man... I just hate everything about flying. Uh, there's no part about airports or bunching up with a bunch of people to pile into a metal tube and being completely helpless 10,000 feet in the air. Uh, there's nothing about it I like at all. No, I'm with you. And you know, it's funny. <clears throat> Louis C.K. did that skit a while back like, oh, mm. it's a magical thing. You're in this airplane and it takes you from point A to B really fast. Yeah, I get all that. I'm not negating that. Right. I just think that the way they pack you in to monetize every inch of the damn airplane is bullshit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's certainly it's worth complaining about that all those hundreds of dollars give me half an inch of reclining space, no arm room, and negative no you know, uh, leg room. I've got yeah. the negative leg room. My leg, my legs hurt so bad every time I get up a long flight. I just, yeah, uh, yeah it is worth complaining, but I get, I'm in flying yeah. metal and it's amazing, right. and I, know. I get all it, that. But it is, and and you know, I know that these these poor people that work in the airline industry answer the same stupid questions every freaking day, but. God damn, I'm sorry that I don't know something and uh, you can be a little bit personable, even though your your job and everything else probably sucks. <laughs> yeah, oh, they hate life. And you know what's funny? When I grew up, you know, you'd watch movies. I always thought, like, all the uh, stewardesses would be, like, young and vibrant and really happy to be on the plane. Mm. But they're all, like, 50 and hating life and miserable. Yep. Like, it's like they're the the this is the worst day of their life is, you know, the day they're, they're on an airplane with me. So, yep. yeah, no, the whole experience sucks, you know, stripping your belt off and shoes and wallet. And of course, all the electronics have to go in their own bins and yeah. you're trying to oh, bust the ass. I, yeah. I was trying to hurry and get my little guy uh, uh, through the line and everything and make sure they had everything that they needed done. And uh, I forgot to take my wallet out of the back pocket of my pants. And I didn't even pass through the the uh, restricted area yet. And there's like three TSA agents like ready to jump on me like, there's something in your back pocket. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. And they're like, you can take it out right now. And I'm like, it's OK. Don't, don't shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Doesn't it just suck, man? It's the worst. And then, uh, you know, it used to be that they give you complimentary shit on planes. Now they're like, hey, you want a TV dinner? It's fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> like, okay, great. Yeah. You want you want an hour of internet? Yeah, that's like fifteen bucks. Or you could pay forty five and get it for the whole flight. Oh, jeez, I'm God. 
Like, come on. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, we flew United. They gave us some pretzels, and they had free internet and stuff. So. Oh, free internet. That Lucky. That wasn't, okay. that wasn't horrible. Okay. I didn't use it, though, because I was... Uh, I planned ahead, downloaded some movies, uh, brought my Switch, which is still my favorite favorite thing ever. <laughs> Smart move. But uh, I guess talking about Switch, uh, we'll uh, segue that right into follow-up, if you're good, unless you get anything else you want to talk about travel nonsense. No, no, no. I think I... Dude, I could just piss and moan for a lifetime about mm. how much I hate flying. We can skip right by that. Sweet. So, uh, another thing I hate... Not as much as flying, but pretty close, is the bullshit Nintendo controller issues. So I just fixed my Pro Controller, right? All better. Yep. Hey, awesome, you know, awesome, great. Now, uh, just this last week, my right Joy-Con will no longer work when it's dis- detached from the console. Won't connect. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know why. It works fine when it's attached to the console. I cannot get it to connect when it's detached from the console. I've tried disconnecting all the controllers. I've tried updating them. Uh, I have no idea. Okay, the internet you know, has no idea. Yeah, they, uh, dude, Nintendo just sucks with this shit. And what they need to do is redesign the whole thing mm. and then let people trade in their old crap for the new the new one. Yeah, I'd even it, pay pay to upgrade. Yeah, it's not salvageable at this point. They have like a lawsuit building on their hands. No. I know. And and they still I think they still have a chance to rectify it and come out looking like the good guy. Because yeah, hey, I'm sure that they didn't intend for the quality to be that low on these controllers, but man, I mean it's just one thing after another. Well, they shouldn't be producing any more like that, though. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Um, co- recall them. Get them off the shelves. I don't know, dude. I'm tired of buying those things, you know? Yep. Yep. yep I agree. So so that's my uh, my Nintendo controller follow-up. But my Pro controller still works good, so I guess there's that. Yeah. Uh, Disco Elysium. Coming out, well, as we record it, it's not out yet, but when this is posted on the internets for our follower, uh, it'll be out. I'm really psyched, but here's the funny thing. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm psyched. I know <laughs> it's like some weird 70s. If like The visuals look almost like post-apocalyptic. Maybe <laughs> I just am looking at it wrong, but it's 70s, and you're a detective, and I guess the stats and choices and character customizations like endless, um, and it's all dialogue driven. Like it's so heavy dialogue driven. Even the, I guess the combat is kind of dialogue and stat driven, which is great. I love that idea, mm-hmm. but I don't really know besides doing random things like juggling apples while shitting yourself or something, <laughs> and then seeing if you if you're any good at that of like the the long game of like what what it's about but right uh it just sounds really intriguing i don't i I have to get it it launches tomorrow so yeah i uh you might convince me to pull in with you because i love open world stuff and creating my own fun in the a big uh open world so 
we'll see yeah yeah i'm i i have no doubt it's gonna do really well it seems amazing i still i don't know why i'm amazed but i am so yeah well we'll see sweet uh picking up on steam yeah i think that's the only it's only platform right now actually so well i don't know if it's on epic well that was why i was asking because i know you're a connoisseur of epic games yeah they're a big fan i like that you know i can't do basic things like search by genre for games (laughs) or look at games that are highly reviewed but it's really easy to find the free games that they keep giving me Uh, that's exactly (laughs) exactly i just like thanks it's like uh you know that song at the beginning of uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so long so long so long and thanks for all the fish as the dolphin just disappear from the planet by flipping in outer space that's <laughs> what i'm doing with i'm just like so long and thanks for all the games i don't even i haven't even i think I've you backflip but you're marshawn lynch as you backflip oh. instead of a dolphin <laughs> i'm just here so i won't get fine boss i'm <laughs> gonna backflip just i'm just here for the free games um and then i get a backflip off the epic planet and uh, go back to steam with my bundle of games right Mm -hmm. uh so i got one more thing for follow-up um uh follow-up actually did i tell you about follow-up do you know where podcast follow-up comes from no no it comes from uh i think the first person who did it technically uh, and he's one of the very few things that he actually wants credit for is inventing follow up on podcasts is uh, John Syracuse. He's, hmm. uh, he's my big Apple nerd guy that I follow his podcasts and he also plays Destiny. He's Hold a cool on. dude. He's very nerdy. Huh? you telling me John Cusack invented that? No, uh, close. I think okay. he's a cousin. Yes. And I'm saying his name wrong. It's Syracuse or something like that. And, okay. Uh, but uh, he's very particular about his pronunciation of that and many other words. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure I'm probably saying it wrong. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> uh, that's copyright uh, something some year. John Syracuse, a follow-up. My last part of follow-up uh, about another podcast that I found recently, and I shared it with you. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it. Uh, I guess it's a really insanely popular podcast but it's just completely flown under my radar but it's rich roll had you ever heard of him no i've obviously heard of rick roll but not rich roll yeah so rich roll uh seems like i'm I'm still not completely caught up to speed with uh who he is or or what he is he's a ultra athlete you know he runs marathons uh does a lot of swimming um insane athlete uh but he's got this very prominent podcast um i also he'd also discussed in passing in some of his podcasts about his time in recovery not sure what his recovery was on if drugs alcohol i have no idea but he was in recovery for a while uh but he's basically he's an author and an ultra athlete and but he has some really really good interviews and podcasts um two of them that i'll mention that I've listened to recently. One is, and the one I put in the notes here, uh, is Ryan Holiday. Uh, he interviewed this guy who uh, is an author and discusses stoicism. Stoicism, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds um, 
<clears throat> by its very name, uh, something I'd be interested in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so can you tell what is stoicism? Well, I'm not gonna get into uh, uh, too much detail because I won't do it justice and hard to explain. But uh, basically, the idea uh, dates back to uh, one of Aristotle's students, I believe, something like that. Okay. Um, but it's also been a prominent philosophy for many um, prominent figures in history up into and including modern history. Um, and I guess the general idea is doing good for humanity as a whole, um, and trying to look for being optimistic about things. Uh, but also, I don't know, uh, I guess then this is why I didn't want to get into explaining it because <laughs> I listened to two hours of it and I'm not going to be able to explain it very well. But um, it's really good. Go check it out. Go check out uh, Ryan Holiday, uh, any of his talks or the ritual podcast about him. Got so, it. OK, so, I'll check it out, man. Yeah. Uh, the other um, guest that he had on recently was sam harris's wife really uh, and, yeah and she wrote a book recently discussing consciousness and um basically everything in and around surrounding consciousness and trying to get scientists to consider uh possible implications of studying things that may or may not be conscious and just the whole going beyond it as far as uh, our plants conscious and looking at different studies about uh, like how trees communicate danger and threats to each other through like fungus and the root systems and everything. And, um, but even considering the idea of that, you know, is consciousness a fundamental law of the universe that we just don't comprehend or can't, prove or see yet and what those implications would have on science and ethics so uh it was a really good talk so i think you'd really enjoy this guy ooh, you should check him out ooh. that second one sounds particularly fascinating uh that's awesome because you think about like there's certain plant life that's really adept over the years over over season after season of like working its way away from danger or towards you know sunlight things like that or things positive to its own well-being mm -hmm. and uh you know, it makes you wonder the way that uh you know a, a, a plant can really move over time it almost feels uh purposeful you mm -hmm. know what i mean mm -hmm. so, yeah it's and it's you know uh, tons of factors at play and you could debate it all day long but um and her name is annika harris um and okay. i i didn't mean to diminish her by calling her just uh sam harris's wife <laughs> no no, no, no I i'm just say, awful awful with names so i i exactly. assumed their last name was harris and that was <laughs> it, it was harris um so yeah cool that is annika harris check out her stuff you sound like you're uh, halfway across your room uh, yeah, I had to get up and let the cat out so we didn't have a howling cat in the, the back. <laughs> Sorry, was your, why is your cat howl? 
she if there's a shut door Mm -hmm. uh, she wants in if she's in out of the room if she's in she wants out Mm -hmm. the minute i oblige and let her in or out then she wants the opposite yep but what she's really telling me is she doesn't accept closed doors so (laughs) it's just it's so annoying i go through this at work when i work from home i uh I mean, she'll just start howling and clients can hear it. They're like, what is, you know, are you strangling a baby? No, <laughs> no, not today. Uh, it's my cat. So, yeah, she's just weird with doors. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Anything else uh, you got for follow up? Mm-hmm. No, not really. I'm, I think that we're good. I'm working towards stuff. There's things I really want to dig into you, but it's not just not the time. Mm-hmm. Not dig into you. I'd like to dig into you. Things I want to dig mm-hmm. into with you, mm-hmm. like uh, ISPs is a big one. Yeah, we, we can obviously that a little bit. Yeah, we've been talking about Steam and Epic and that for like since episode one. Yep. So I want to do those things eventually, but it's just not uh, the right time for us, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And so in the last episode, I was just, uh, no, no, I have, blah, no. Long story short, I have no follow-up. Great. Good. Mm-hmm. And that was my, uh, your opportunity to talk more politics. But uh, since there's no more follow-up, moving on to gaming news. Yeah, just side note, let's go back to politics. No, <laughs> on politics, though, I think I do want to get more like uh, that. We talked in generalities. You know, mm-hmm. um, it would be fun to get into current politics, current what's going on at mm-hmm. some point with uh, with Trump and uh, Elizabeth Warren and mm-hmm. Bernie and the gang and, and have that discussion. But um, no, being that we just talked in generalities and that was more of like a rant, uh, yeah. at least for me, um, I don't have a follow up to that. All right. So. Perfect. Let's uh, let's put it on the list for uh, some more specific content too. Like uh, I don't want to get into it right now, but like there's uh, news today about Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg meeting with uh, GOP folks behind closed doors and uh, still maintaining their position of not censoring political advertising, even if it's proven false and yada yada yada. But so. We don't need to devolve into that, but I think uh, we could narrow down some topics and uh, get some interesting discussion out of it. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a good one. I didn't know what he's meeting with specifically the GOP. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I can look it up here. It may take me a minute to look on my phone, but now we're going to throw out, out a bunch of lies, and what we need you to do is let those lies stay on your website. Right. And so, yeah, and then today, well, and, and that's, they've been discussing that for a while, how he won't uh, either, not not censor is not the right word, but um, review, moderate, uh, incorrect political, you know, things that are proven false or especially advertisements and stuff, because we've seen the multitude of uh, interference and social engineering happening primarily through Facebook and other platforms. But 
Well, right. Primarily through Facebook. So, but anyway, uh, today is uh, here's the top one. Hashtag delete Facebook trends after report that Mark Zuckerberg held secretive meetings with conservative influencers. And so uh, the other part of the story that I'd seen through some tweets and some comments uh, was that there's talk about or he's con- apparently concerned, obviously, about Elizabeth Warren's outspoken agenda of breaking up many of these incredibly large tech companies, which as a huge fan of Apple, I think breaking up Apple would be a probably good thing. Not really? just for yeah, uh, not just for uh, the industry and the country as a whole, but also probably for Apple that they could refocus instead of becoming the end all of everything. But I, I don't want to talk about that right now because I can talk about Apple forever. But anyway, um, well, let me just say this. Let me say yeah. one quick thing on that. Uh-huh. I don't believe that Facebook should be moderating anything and. Because yeah. I don't like the notion of the who who moderates, who dictates what is acceptable or not. And I don't you know, I don't feel comfortable with someone with their own uh, you know, set perspective trying to determine what's right or wrong or I it's just not a comfortable place for uh, I, I just don't think they should be doing it. But if something is demonstrably, I've had too many beers, demonstrably false. So, and what if, would if you what post would an that article, constitute though? What so would constitute? If I that? post an article saying Bernie Sanders is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and nobody knows it because it's a conspiracy, and this becomes widely shared across Facebook and widely believed, but it's demonstrably false we can prove that this is not actually true Mm -hmm. how do you you know well how do moderators know better than the audience is what i'm getting at well so but how can they determine what's right or wrong crowdsource that moderation somehow similar to how reddit does which is obviously completely Reddit is not user moderated at this point either, but I don't know because these false fake news, hey, fake news, these these stories, particularly on Facebook, have had wide ranging effects on what people believe is true and what's accurate. And in many cases, these things are not true. And I don't know, there's got to be some kind of solution. I agree with you. And censorship and moderation and stuff is a horrible concept. But there's also downsides to what's currently happening. For sure. For sure. Yeah, exactly. But then I wonder again, like, what I like about what... uh, yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I, On one hand, I don't want someone trying to tell me mm-hmm. or, or leave on my feed what, what they deem is, as fact or okay. Right. But on the other hand, um, you know, I get the notion 
that, uh, you know, this shit is influencing so many people in the wrong way. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, the flat earthers, because it's become like almost this thing where people think, you know, it, mostly morons think that it's trendy or, you know, they think that they're on the cutting edge because they're like, hey, this is the thing people just don't know about yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what it is, is is it's it's harmful. It's yeah. harmful. Well, and. and- and that's where I think, I don't know, if there was anywhere to draw the line, that's where you'd want to draw the line is where these things are proven harmful. And, uh, like, there was another news article just today or yesterday about um, some video that was shown at one of the Trump properties for a donor dinner or something. And it had something to do with Trump shooting or attacking or something, John McCain and a... Uh, persona of black lives matter or something like that um which is just completely ridiculous and of course i can see ultra conservative and far right far right wing trump supporters all about that like oh yeah hell yeah go get him because trump's the man but in the same voice you know what was it like a year ago they were all freaking out about the comments kathy griffin made about uh, violence off. against yeah, yeah 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 no i don't no, know yeah it's and, and not that her comments were correct or right at all either but i don't know i don't yeah. know well, I, I agree get, with me... you we should not be silencing people but no but here here's my thing is it, it's asking me to trust a giant mega corporation on deciding what they think is fact or fiction. And that that always worries me because everything always comes down to dollars. Mm-hmm. So if the right party offers them in these backdoor meetings, you know, an absurd amount of money to say, yeah, well, deem this a little bit more fact. And good, look, this is getting, you know, I'm not saying this is hypothetical, but mm-hmm. it's still the fact that, if there's anything I'm not going to trust, it's going to be a corporation telling me what is fact and fiction, a giant one, a massive one. Um, that's my only issue. But on the flip side, I totally get it. You know, I don't um, I don't think that bullshit has a place. You know, the, you know, the just the flat out bullshit, whether it's flat earth or Trump, you know sitting mm-hmm. on a pony and riding through the desert and chopping off uh, John McCain's head or whatever, you know, I don't, that's all crap. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, <laughs> where does that, you know, here's a funny one. My grandmother kept p- posting a picture of fucking uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi yes, as, as a youngster <laughs> and, and, and saying, Hey, you're not going to repost this picture of Jesus because you're too embarrassed or something. (laughs) So I think there's some responsibility on the individual mind to say, Hey, is this, is this real? Even a quick visit to Snopes. I'm not saying Snopes is the end all be all, but at least do do a little digging, do a little digging. And the responsibility has at least to some degree to lie on us I would almost prefer it lying mostly on us than a giant corporation. But at the same time, again, people don't do that. So that we're talking about 
a fictitious, you know, universe where people actually fact check themselves and things like that. So, right. Know. And I can see trying to push some kind of education and getting people uh, more willing to fact check themselves and learning more about how to do that. But uh, it ain't getting easier. And you've seen the uh, deep fakes, which oh, everyone's yeah. very concerned about. Yep. Um, so I think that's going to be change a lot of things in like the next few months time frame. Think, think about how hard it is to be not just a voter, but to in to equip yourself with information on just about any topic mm-hmm. on, on diet, on politics, on a politician, on anything. It's impossible, dude, because there's so much bullshit out there. That you, it's it's nearly impossible, and I know that contradicts what I just said. And do your own homework. It is hard. It it's just really hard. Uh, it's a weird fucking era, man. It's a weird place to be in mm-hmm. to uh, try to separate fact from fiction. Yep. Well, uh, okay, that devolved into a little bit of political topic, but to be even, uh, I guess, to continue a little more politics. Did you hear about all this Blizzard, uh, Blitzchung, Hearthstone drama? Uh, vaguely. I've heard that someone, uh, all I know, you're going to have to fill me in. All I heard so, was uh, something about Hong Kong and that the Chinese are worth a lot of money to Blizzard and they didn't like this dude supporting Hong Kong. So they banned him and then, and then there was backlash from everyone for them doing so. Exactly. So one of the prominent Hearthstone players, I guess his name is Blitz Chung, and which I only know this because I looked it up before we recorded. Uh, don't follow that esports stuff too awful much. But uh, he said something on their at their tournament or something about free Hong Kong or like you said. Uh, so Blizzard turned around and banned him. I think forever, but. Maybe just for an extremely amount, long amount of time, and uh, took away all of his winnings from the tournament. Um, and the internet imploded and had a meltdown because there's nothing we love more on the internet than to rally against a big mega corporation. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they had a meltdown for a couple days. Uh, Blizzard did reverse course a little bit, they lowered it to. Uh, just like a six month ban for him for many tournaments. Um, and but they did return all of his earnings. Uh, but then in the same breath, they also doubled down that they will not allow any of this political discourse to occur, um, with their tournaments or anything like that. Um, what's your stance on that? Well, you know, I'm kind of torn. I think the what's going on with China and Hong Kong is um, obviously on the side of Hong Kong uh, with all this because I think it has a lot of implications uh, globally as far as supporting democracy and freedom. Um, but at the same time, this is an esports gaming tournament. And whether or not Blizzard's... And I'm not trying to go to bat for Blizzard here. But whether or not Blizzard's uh, policies and their market in China is influencing their decisions 
It probably is. But at the same time, it's an esports tournament for the point of playing their video games. It's not a uh, a political forum or yeah. platform. So I I guess I can kind of sympathize with their stance in that vein. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I can see being concerned with Blizzard's uh, corporate attitude lately and how much they're pushing everything in China and their new mobile Diablo game. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of share a similar sentiment there. And I think um, I think that for it being such a small a small uh statement with no real bearing on anything trying to take away all of his winnings and banning him for life Mm -hmm. is absurd i think if it were just about hey we have this policy you know what it's just a we're we're about our esport we don't bring up politics you know that's Mm -hmm. an easy conversation that's the kind of thing you have at work and people say oh i'm sorry i made a mistake they slap you on the wrist and you don't do it again but i think it's telling that they were like, hey, we're taking away all your earnings mm-hmm. and we're banning you for life. Uh, is, is he, uh, has he done this before? Has he received warnings for doing this before? So I think it's probably more in line with China being such a, a focal point in their market. Um, yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head right there. Their, their overreaction at the beginning definitely shows what their intent was. Exactly, because I think otherwise, you if it were just about, hey, we just don't do that because, you know, we're just here to play games, that's an easy conversation. You pull mm. them aside, you say, hey, look, man, we got to give you a warning. You can't do that, okay? This is not, we, we don't want to talk about, we're, we're here to play games, we can't be partial, we don't want to look partial, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. But that's a conversation. Uh, to, to take away all his earnings... And ban him for life says to me that this is more serious than that. And I think it has to do with their bottom line then at that point. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, Microsoft Flight Sim. Have you played ever played a flight simulator? I always thought they looked fun. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've never. You know what? why? I've never had a flight stick. That's why. Oh, yeah. No, me either. Uh, Although they are pretty inexpensive. I was looking at them for Elite Dangerous. I think you can get a good Logitech one for like 30 bucks, maybe. Um, So anyway, uh, I played one back. I mean, it would have been back in the early 2000s or something. I messed around with a couple of them. Uh, But Microsoft's preparing their Flight Sim 2020 for beta testing right off soon. Um, and it looks kind of insane. I'm actually kind of interested in maybe trying it out. Um, really? It's, yeah, it's got oh. basically as much as I complained about flying earlier. Uh, I guess I'd like to fly on my computer. Uh, <laughs> it's got every type of model of plane that you can imagine. But the really cool tech that they're pushing with this is you can fly anywhere in the world. And it's got uh, satellite and aerial photographs and of everywhere in the world um and it's supposed to yeah it's got some insane uh technology for simulating weather patterns and different weather um and the the just the aerial and satellite imagery data 
is like something insane, like two or more petabytes, not terabytes, petabytes. Um, so you don't load the whole game at once. It'll load certain areas where you're flying and it'll stream and download it to your computer as you explore the world or fly around the world. Oh I guess. my gosh, dude, it, that's it, insane. It sounds like a technical, uh, it sounds crazy. Um, I don't know if my PC will even run it, but I'm pretty interested in checking it out. That sounds like a, a Marvel up there with, uh, you know, what no man's sky was trying to do when they, yeah. that's impressive, man. Wow. Uh, that wasn't on my radar, but uh, now it is. I'll have to check that out, man. That sounds neat. Yep. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world is the claim. You can fly anywhere you want. You know where I'm going first. Area 51. That's where no. it's going. <laughs> I'm going to northern Maine, man. I'm oh, sweet. To, I'm flying to the top of the state. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Nice crash land into the St. John River. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you've been playing much Link's Awakening? Nope. I shelved it so I could finish a game on the Switch that I uh, put behind me for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but well. was really fun. And uh, that was Mario and Rabbids. Sweet. Sweet. Well, uh, let's hit that in a second. Uh, the one thing I want to hit on Link's Awakening is there's this interesting mod um, I saw online where people... No motion move... blur? Yeah, the, well, the motion and the edge blur. You saw oh, this. Oh, okay. I briefly... I, didn't... I can't. I just oh. skimmed a, a Reddit article earlier. I was on uh, Nintendo Switch Reddit saying, when the hell are they going to add more Super Nintendo games to my friggin' SES? <laughs> you know? It's yeah. been over a month. What are they doing? Yeah. So I get on Reddit and I'm like, SNES, SNES. What, what's this? Link's Awakening? Blur gone? What? So yep. I didn't I didn't learn anything, save the subject right. line. I was just looking for SNES stuff. Uh, but evidently there was a mod that removed... Uh, some screen or motion blur or uh, something along those lines. I just really truly read the subject line. Yeah. No. Just looking at the the quick video and the the images, it does kind of look better and crisper with it gone. But I mean, you've played it, uh, and it's kind of seems more like an artistic choice to me, whether it's there or not. Yeah. You know. Well, I wonder. So here's what I've heard, that reducing, eliminating blur can actually increase the toll on your hardware rather Mm -hmm. than decrease it, right? Mm -hmm. And the game already has some frame rate issues, evidently. Uh, So I'm wondering if, I don't know, if doing that on the Switch rather than an emulator uh, might cause further problems with that Um, maybe it was a technical addition rather than just purely artistic that's what i'm thinking is perhaps it's there to kind of help out a little bit where the game was already clearly having some issues from time to time which is odd because yeah it's a beautiful game aesthetically but it's not like Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey or even Mario Kart 8 Deluxe or whatever. Right. So I don't know why that game 
has frame rate issues to begin with, but right. it does from time to time. And it makes me wonder about the motion blur. They, I think the mod was straight up. I think they said they had the mod running on the Switch. I didn't look at the performance, though. But they yeah, had it running on PC as well. And mm-hmm. that's probably no big thing. But I had to wonder then if the motion blur was there actually to help Nintendo with performance. Or, or whatever kind of blur effect they had going on. Right. Nice. All right. Uh, well, you started talking about mario rabbits so tell me about it ah it's a neat game man everybody yeah it's xcom meets mario but uh the game's just full of charm dude i remember when the developer one of the developers was at a a big uh it wasn't e3 maybe it was e3 and um the guy started choking up because he couldn't believe that this was like mm-hmm. his dream. Yeah, he was the, the Ubisoft with, lead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to work with Nintendo and Miyamoto on this, and um, there's certainly a lot of care that went into the game. It's very clever, uh, and but just mechanically, and it's beautiful. It's Mario. It's in the Mario Kingdom. It looks spot on. I can't believe they let someone else touch Mario, but they did, and and it looks perfect. But what gets me is is really the detail, uh, the the uh, animations to these characters, uh, the 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 dialogue, uh, mm-hmm. the goofy dialogue. It's a very silly game, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And then just the mechanics are perfect. It's just a fun tactical uh little rpg it, it's so well done uh it just it's hard to put down i had to put it down because i got sucked into xenoblade 2 mm-hmm. for 170 hours mm-hmm. but <clears throat> i didn't want to not come back to it so i finally uh decided hey look i got all these new switch games before i get into them all i have to finish rabbits so that's my game plan i'm on uh, the last chapter, I think I've only got two levels in the last chapter left, and that's a great game. I highly recommend it. I think it's an overlooked Switch game, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's one of the best in the library that I've played thus far. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And playing anything else? Some Rocket League. They just dropped today a, uh, I think they call it Haunted Hollows, which mm-hmm. is you earn candy corn they've kind of done this sort of event before where you earn these uh the secondary currency and then you spend it on crap in the shop um but what they're doing is uh not only fall and halloween stuff but stranger things uh type stuff and that's the big deal is um they kind of mesh some uh stranger things into uh, some of the content you can get by uh, playing over the next, I think it ends November 4th or something like that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I've been playing uh, mostly Destiny. And more Destiny whenever I get a chance. I've done the campaign. Uh, so I'm starting the, the grind for increasing my item level and everything. Uh, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the consensus seems to be everyone's really enjoyed Shadowkeep and looking forward to that. Uh, more people playing in my little tiny clan than there ever has been. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, hit some of that, I've gotten a few, uh, few good drops. I spent 
I don't know, a month or two prior to Shadowkeep trying to get uh, a specific bow to drop. And I finally got it after Shadowkeep. And then I've gotten an even better bow since then. So. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm enjoying that. Um, then the only other thing I've really been playing, um, I've still got Fire Emblem to finish on my backlog. Uh, while I was traveling, just wasn't able to do that because a lack of time and headset and uh was not in the mood to play that on the plane <laughs> i couldn't focus enough to uh, to really dig into that so i played a yeah. lot of link to the past uh, oh so, really yeah i'm about halfway done the dark world now no you're not what? <laughs> <laughs> i yep. love that game man it's, it's so good, good. you I, like every few years i could probably replay that game yep yeah, it is really good, and going back, and I've forgotten a lot of the uh, the secrets, so I'll, I'll remember, oh, okay, you have to go around a certain way and bomb this door to get in somewhere, uh, but I forget what the rewards are, so it's been uh, really fun re-experiencing that again. Nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah, that's, that's up there. It still could be, like, in the conversation for best Zelda game of all time. I think it's going to be that, Ocarina or Breath of the Wild, but yeah uh it's a great game yeah i yeah. love that game so that's about it um so moving on uh i think we're gonna talk about some uh mmo games some mmo arbs no yeah, okay we, we alluded to it before about uh, that big discussion about what's a real mmo right oh my god okay i gotta put i gotta stop this whole time we've been talking, I've got to admit, I've been playing Rocket League. Let me exit out of this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard I heard a little bit of clicking and stuff. So. My bad, my bad. Okay. You're, uh, oh, look, your shared games are now available for me to play. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, uh, what is that clicking? Maybe he's looking something up, but no, you're. Uh, oh, no, you'll know with my keyboard because you yeah. know what my keyboard sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, mechanical <laughs> goodness is what it sounds like. Yeah, uh, you're, you're much better at multitasking than I am because I would have been uh, ooing and swearing and that whole time. Oh well, you know I do it while. I, never mind. Yeah, I just I <laughs> got some practice. So. <laughs> got <some> practice. <laughs> no. I do it while me and the old lady. Uh, you yeah, know. Oh yeah, right. I'm just, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, do, uh, I just do it while I sleep. So this episode of Dialogue Quest is brought to you by Delta Teo's Clan Lord. Do you want to explore an enormous and constantly growing world where characters work together, not against each other? You can choose from seven different races and become a fighter, healer, or mysterious mystic. With no monthly fees and cutting-edge graphics from 1998, immerse yourself into the island of Puddleby and join dozens of players in a world of high-fantasy role-playing to heal the wounded, study magic, and solve puzzles. To try free, go to deltateo.com clanlord. That's deltateo.com clanlord and click the Try Free button. There is no promo code because Delta Tao is not an actual sponsor of this podcast, but I still encourage you to go try this classic memo gem. So, um, for MMOs, uh, I think this is probably my favorite genre of game and the most I've spent, or I've spent the most time playing. 
Man, I really gotta lay off the beer. <laughs> Dude, I got the a end beer. of this. I can't talk anymore. My my podcast budget now not only included the mic, but it includes it's like a weekly budget for beer for my our podcast. Yep. 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 So, uh, man, I've spent so many so much time in MMOs, and I've probably spent an equal amount of time trying to for find the perfect MMO. Uh, one that would appeal to me and to our small group of friends that we game with. And it's kind of like the, uh, what do you call that? The, the perfect thing that you can't find. I know there's yeah. a word for it, but you know what I'm getting at. I do, whether you want to call it like a uh, the utopia of MMOs or uh, it doesn't seem to exist. Um, I don't, I, I won't go to Keep going with that train of thought, please. Well, Sorry. well, I guess to preface this a little bit, uh, we should probably talk a little bit about which MMOs we've played that have kind of helped develop our taste in the genre. So uh, do you want to start with how did your MMO career start? Oh, boy. Uh, it definitely started with Ultima Online. That was the big one. And, in fact, I stuck around with that one for, oh, Man, five years. Five mm. years. Um, I love that game. That was what got me into MMOs for quite a while. It's the only reason I played, uh, I eventually played World of Warcraft. But to me, that game was about freedom. I had never experienced a game that was that open where everything you did played into your character's development. So, the more you cook, the more you mine, the more you heal yourself, the more, you know, swordsmanship, all those things. There was like almost no cap. I mean, there was, but it was everything you did um, pushed, you know, pushed your character forward in that way. Mm. It was just really open world. Um, yeah, you owned a house. You uh, decorated, you could grow plants, you could, no, you could, uh, um, you know, become a carpenter and build your own furniture. You could do stonework and build your own stone furniture. Uh, The choices were endless. And then we had a huge guild of like 35 people that would meet on our castle we eventually saved for (laughs) and just have like a 35-man guild meeting where we talked about like our agenda for the week and what we're going to do. So, mm-hmm. and people would actually, uh, conform to etiquette and rules that they wouldn't speak out of turn and everything. I imagine. Right. Oh yeah. We had uh, the couple of leaders <laughs> standing in front of 30 some odd chairs that were placed on the castle rooftop mm-hmm. and facing these two people that stood there and uh would you know they were open we would have dialogue with them and we'd give them our thoughts but really it was like they're the leaders Mm -hmm. and we're all in this guild and we're all sitting there in almost like conference room style having a discussion that's awesome it was something else i've never experienced anything since then uh nothing even close so that was my big one i did that for five years um 
I played a few in between that I really enjoyed. Dark Ages was another good one. Very mm-hmm. anime looking, not to be confused with Dark Age of Camelot, even, uh, although that one was pretty neat too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a few others in between for a little while, like Aeon's End and or whatever. I, I think yeah, you played a- 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 uh, Ion quite a while, yeah. for quite a while. I remember you playing that. Yeah, Ion or whatever. Jeez, I can't even remember the name. And then Neverwinter, I played for quite a while. Um, but that's it, man. Listen, I don't have like I've I've messed around with Tree of Savior, uh, Black Desert Online, but nothing's really captivated me the way that Ultima Online has. I, I beat Vanilla WoW. I did the battlegrounds for a long time until, mm-hmm. and that was at the time where they they take away your honor if you don't play for a while, and that's why I quit. I took a two month hiatus. Came back, all my honor was gone. I was like, "Fuck, I'm, I'm never playing this game again." <laughs> you you, you were close to being you. number one, weren't you? Yeah, I was way up there, man. I had busted my ass because I was working an overnight job at mm-hmm. a hotel mm-hmm. where I could just essentially play World of Warcraft all night, and that's so awesome. that's what I did. Um, but no, it it uh, nothing nothing has come since Ultima Online that really just sunk its teeth into me. It just, you know, after WoW, I I played it, and then a lot of them just felt like WoW clones, like they were doing all the same things, and I never got that big sense of freedom back. And I don't know if that was because it was a new thing for me or uh, if it's nostalgia, but mm. I've never gotten that feeling back um, with any MMO that I've played yep well uh yeah i think i concur exactly um i feel like i've been chasing the dragon since 1997 um i first started playing a little niche macintosh game called clan lord so uh this is a 2d sprite based game you move your character around with the mouse but it was one of the very first uh, MMO games, and it was actually developed with the idea of being a graphical mud. So, do you remember these mud games? Oh or... yeah, those were all text-based. I used to do those with. Uh... Oh shoot, man! Uh, what did I log into to do Telnet? Yeah, you had Telnet. Telnet? Yeah, you log into yeah. Telnet, and it would be completely <laughs> text-based, and you could explore this world with other people. Right. So. Uh, Clanlord was developed with the idea of being a graphical uh, mud, and uh, it took off from there. It's one of the first real MMOs. Um, I played that game, man, more than 10 years. Uh, it, I just spent so much time with that game. Um, and very similar to how you talk about Ultima Online, it just seemed like such a living, breathing world and i'd never experienced anything like that with so much freedom and uh player interaction um and the character development was there was no level cap you could specialize your character in any direction that you wanted and you would just continue building in that direction or adjust it if you decided to do so right exactly not far off from ultima really yeah, no, uh, very similar. Um, so that's probably my my number one, uh, the one that I try to 
or I end up basing everything else off of and it never reaching that level of um, excitement. But the other games I've played, uh, I played WoW. Um, I didn't cap in Vanilla, but I did in Burning Crusade, and I played a little bit in Wrath of the Lich King. Um, played a little bit of Final Fantasy XI. Um, played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, um, which is very different than a lot of the other ones on my list. Well, I guess WoW. WoW and Final Fantasy XIV are very similar in, in theme park-ish. Um, and then the other one I've played uh, probably it. a couple hundred or a couple thousand hours in is <laughs> uh, Eve. Yeah, <laughs> my spaceship game. <laughs> and and I think because and we'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. Um, I think what really attracts me to Eve so much is that it's a, a sandbox and closer to those early MMOs like clan Lord than anything else on the market right now. Well, I could see that. I could see that you've got so much freedom and choice and, um, control over what you're doing. And I didn't play that long, but I played a little bit enough to see that, uh, you really had a lot of control over what was going on. And it was very much a living, breathing universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I my problem with Eve, I mm. love the idea of Eve, but when I was playing Eve to play to even just get you know to be not competitive but to survive, I felt like I would do you know three hours of homework, <laughs> then do like thirty minutes of traveling to where I got to pick up all my parts for the specialized thing I'm doing. And then, like, oh, I don't know, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm mining, I could last substantially longer. But let's say it's PvP. I'm roasted in, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) And my three and a half hours are gone. And now I'm back to the beginning. Like, oh, okay, so what parts do I need again? And now i got to travel and go get them all. And so, like, every in-between my 20 minutes of dying was, like, Mm. three and a half hours. Yep. Yep, I I agree with that. Uh, although there are, you know, there are definitely uh, exceptions to that and ways that you can optimize your gameplay and everything. Uh, but that's really the dilemma that y- you get it right on the nose that I love the idea of Eve and I love the idea of a punishing difficult sandbox and living breathing world but it does definitely comes with its drawbacks as well where a lot of these other theme park games uh, with a lower barrier of entry and daily rewards and everything kind of make it a little easier like final fantasy or old 14 or uh wow or even destiny or whatever right right yeah absolutely and you know, look, I'm not a fan of of all this, uh, qu- some of this quality of life shit. It's gotten so bad, you can not yep. play the game to play the game, you know? Oh, man. It's Have you like, played any of these mobile uh, MMOs within the last year? No. <laughs> so, dude, man, it, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, there was a lineage one that came out recently, too, and it uses the same system. So you can load this MMO game on your phone. 
and you press a button and it auto paths your character to the checkpoint and then you push the button and it auto completes the objectives <laughs> and then you push a button and it auto paths your character to the next checkpoint oh, God. It, at that point you're not even really playing the game i mean why are they putting that much effort into the 3d graphics and rendering a, a world when you're just basically pushing a button to get to the next checkpoint right and that's exactly kind of how that's hilarious uh that's how i feel about a lot of current mmos that i play Mm -hmm. is that it's just like hey teleport to this spot wander around a little and uh you know collect 10 of this thing turn it into the where it tells you to turn it in and then teleport to the next spot it's just like i'm on this like treadmill of uh just monotony that uh it just kills me dude it's like that that sense of exploration and freedom and all is gone i'm just on a treadmill basically yep and and it goes right down to your character as well because um all of these modern popular mmos and the big well, and even Neverwinter that you played for quite a while, but the big ones with WoW and Final Fantasy, you get to that level cap. So they all have that hard level cap, and then you have to conform to one of these specific builds to be um, wanted or needed or effective in endgame. Right? Yeah. Which is completely different than Ultima Online or Clanlord would have been back in the day where uh, unique builds were effective and usable and even sought after exactly yeah it was all about what you chose to master and look i was effective i I never looked at when i played ultima i didn't look at uh you know uh min maxing uh, faqs and walkthroughs and uh i found things that worked by playing but it never amounted to the same thing the next guy found you know it was uh it was really you know, it was so balanced that you pick what you're into and you go after it. Mm-hmm. And uh, not to say that there weren't some things a little bit more effective than others, but still now it's so cookie cutter. It's so um, like this is the thing. This is this is the spec that's going to make you most effective. So you do it because you're on the same treadmill as everyone else. You're uh, hitting cap as fast as you can. Uh, with these like repetitive quests, uh, mm-hmm. collect ten of this, blah blah blah. Talk to the villager who asks you to go get some milk in the next town over, and then kill ten fucking squirrels and turn them in. But the 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 character builds they end out all the same and blah blah blah. So it's so it's so linear. It's such a linear process that that sense of freedom is just gone. There's, yep. I don't I don't feel that with um, a lot of the MMOs that I play nowadays. So of course, even Neverwinter was hardcore like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and what it boils down to, well, I guess to to try to bring it down to the fundamental things is it seems like the argument between the sandbox MMO and the theme park MMO. And I guess we should talk about that a little bit more just to, to clarify. But So a sandbox MMO being a game design where you're basically in an open world and you go out and create your own 
stories and your own fun. And not that there can't be quests or bring 10 cow udders to whoever in Goldshire. Right. Right. But the the general concept of the game is that it's an open world that you can mold and you create your own game in the sandbox as opposed to the theme park MMOs, which would be much more like the the current design based on WoW, essentially, but with Final Fantasy and everything else where uh, you go and you have your raid section of the MMO theme park and you have your quests section of the MMO theme park and you have your daily quest section of the theme park and it's, it's laid out exactly like you would imagine a theme park map that you would go to. Right. So I don't know. And, and like I mentioned earlier, ideally I would feel like the, the best MMO would be solidly a sandbox game that it would be hardcore and unforgiving. And it would be a living and breathing world where the economy is completely controlled by the, uh, the player base. Uh, but at the same time, that's EVE Online, and there's definitely some downsides to EVE Online, especially lately. Yeah, it's tough because you want some structure there. but um, And I don't know what the magic sauce is, but I know no. that I lean towards Sandbox. Um, let me look at even a game like... Um, I know this isn't an MMO, but portal nights where Mm -hmm. there's some quests in an end game and some structure around it, but I've got all the time in the world to build and do and explore and uh, participate. I I can really kind of go at, go at it from any angle I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy that. I don't like being on a treadmill and I know being on a treadmill adds some, some quality of life perks and some, you know, some structure to everything. But I really prefer the sandbox experience, and I know it does have its drawbacks. So I don't know if it means it's mostly sandbox. With the, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good. So what is? I can't even tell you how I would define the perfect MMO for myself. To no. be honest, no, me um, either. I think if I were to sit down and and write down exactly what I thought I wanted, I would probably come up with EVE Online. Mm-hmm. And then when I would actually sit down and play it, I would say, well, I guess I didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's true. So what would a uh, what on EVE doesn't do, what are the drawbacks specifically to EVE that you face where you're like, maybe this isn't, this isn't, there needs to be more structure. Or there needs to be more of a you know, theme park uh, style to it. Well, I think what the current problem with Eve, and if there's any Eve listeners out there, they'll tell me I'm completely wrong because Eve people are awesome and very kind. <laughs> uh, but I think, in my opinion, the the biggest problem with eve right now is that you have these huge power blocks so you have these huge alliances of people that control large portions of space and they are safe in their space continuing to 
basically run industry and make hand over fist money or isk they call it in the game and they control the game at that at that point um and so there's no real threat to those big power blocks there's no real risk when you're in the middle of the donut um so and that impacts everybody else's play in the game not to say that I can't go out mining in high security space and, or I can't go exploring and do what I want to do. But the players control the gameplay of the game to a very high degree um, for better or for worse. Now, on the other hand, you know, you could say, oh, well, I guess the game company could control it and everything could be scripted and, I don't know that that would be better or worse, but at least the current point, it seems very stagnant. Okay. Yeah. What are they adding is the content there. Are they adding mechanisms and ventures to chase, or is that what's leading to the game feeling stagnant? I get that. Okay. Well, you know, if you're part of this bubble, you're kind of safe. You can do your own thing. Kind of strip some of that kind of Wild West feel out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, so they what, have. What could the developer do to the current game that would make it better? You know, honestly, I'm not sure. And they've tried some things which I was very supportive of earlier this year, uh, where they were trying to basically add chaos back to the game and more of a Wild West feel. And so they introduced this NPC faction called the Triglavians, and uh, they were invading all these random systems and blowing up incredibly expensive player-owned stations. And they targeted a lot of these power blocks and just destroyed their crap. And uh, at the same time, they also blacked out local chat. So if you're in a system you can look at your chat list and see who's in the system. So if you're in the system by yourself, you know that you're 100% safe. Or if you're in a system with 10 other people, but they're all part of your alliance, you can see, hey, all right, I'm, I'm safe. They're all blue people. Uh, so they completely blacked out that chat so you'd have no idea who's in the system with you. Whoa, right? okay. So this really shook up a lot of these people in these uh, protective bubbles. Uh, but it was at first received well by some people that wanted to see some change and excitement in Eve. Uh, but long term, it was received very poorly and panned pretty hard by the the long term player base because they wanted to play the game like they had been playing it for the last eight years, ten years. Right, and they're the the biggest part of the player base at that right. point, right? They're the right. But the at the same time, paying they're, the pocketbooks. Right. But at the same time, those people aren't spurring more people to come into the game, which now, instead of talking about what makes the best game, we're potentially talking about how to drive new players in. And maybe those are two different things, right? Right. Interesting. Huh. So I guess that's my, my little thing about Eve right now. Um, how about this? So I think the developers have been looking at the same problem as we have, 
And how do you feel like games like The Division and Anthem and Destiny fit into this discussion? Warframe okay. is another good one. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't have considered those an MMO by my definition. Uh, but I've kind of softened on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's like uh, things are kind of loaded in chunks. You know what I mean? There's like eight people in your little area or whatever it is. You know, it's not quite... Um, I don't run into or interact with people so much in those games. You know what I mean? I have the opportunity to, and I can load instances with groups, but it doesn't quite feel like, a, you know, the scope of a quote-unquote true MMO. On that note, though, um, I like some of, we talked about how much I like sandboxes, but I, See, it's hard. I like some of the structure that a game like um, um, Division 2 brings to the table. And maybe it's because I don't view it as an MMO. And mm-hmm. I view it as just a multiplayer experience with my friends. That right. allows me to um, you know, enjoy the structure a bit more and just get into doing it. You know, these missions co-op style. Um but I do think they have an impact on MMOs and, and, and could even be called MMOs. I think they fit just about all the def, the definition or description of an MMO. Uh, and I enjoyed them for the most part. Uh, Division 2, I really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Destiny 2, I'm enjoying more now, probably than ever. Um, and there's something to be said for all that structure and the way that they handle... The conveyor belt, but again, at the end of the day, it really still feels a bit like a conveyor belt. You know, I'm getting more loot in Destiny 2, and I'm like, that's great, I'm getting stronger, but then I've got this stronger... I don't feel my growth, for one. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I may as well be weapon level 1, because I'm fighting things that feel about the same difficulty... Mm-hmm. As they did when, and I know you got to balance those things, but still, like, what's I, I always wonder what's the point of character and weapon development or loot development when you never feel a sense of growth, right? You know, it's like just do well, away with all that, then particularly hard in Destiny because it's the way I look at Destiny's loot is similar to something like uh, Diablo 2, you just get so much so many different weapons and items thrown at you um, that it's not really until you find exactly what you want and optimize it that it starts to really feel like uh, you're hitting that power curve and feeling a lot stronger. Yeah, and maybe that's it, is it's less the item level and more you getting familiar and comfortable with a particular, you know, style of weapon or... Mm-hmm. Um, that, but it's still hard to for me to justify. Like I, I'm so locked in this mindset of oh, I need to, to increase my uh, my item level, and I'm doing that, and it just feels the same that I never feel that growth. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, well, why have the growth then? Right. But uh, there's a lot of good to to be said about the structure in those games, and um, I certainly enjoy them. 
you know, whether yeah. it's uh, Destiny 2, Division 2. Uh, they make for a really good multiplayer experience with friends. Yeah, and, you know, I really think that the developers are are looking at these models as a future of the MMO genre because you could, excuse me, you can really uh, pop in to Destiny 2 or Division or any of these and play it as a single-player game and not be affected by other people. Um, and be much more immersed into that, I guess, single-player experience. But then at the same time, go and do multiplayer stuff with your friends once you hit that level or if you choose to do so. Which I think is good, especially when you're looking at theme park games like WoW and Final Fantasy and stuff, which is that's what you're pretty much doing anyway. You're soloing your character up to the level cap and then doing some group content at the end. Right. But in the same breath, I don't make, think it makes the world feel very alive or populated, and that's why I really don't feel like, you know, Destiny 2, I think it could, like you said, I think it could fit that genre of, yeah, this is an MMO, and it fits in that same grouping of games, but it just doesn't feel alive or populated like an no. MMO. Like, no, we remember. No, no, certainly not. It feels like, uh, hey, I might see a few random passer buyers, but really the people that I just mostly see and interact with are when I play online with you guys. You know, that's it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like a multi. I may as well be playing like a multiplayer game with friends or a solo experience, which is fine. I'm okay because that's the way I look at it. Uh, it doesn't feel like an immersive, you know, those tons of people. So I look at a game like Division 2, and I think, imagine if there were just tons of guys out there. Right. You know, if this was a real, quote-unquote, MMO, and there's just tons of war going on out there, and uh, instead of these dumb little dedicated zones where I run into three people at a time, you know? Yeah. I'm like, that, now that would make an interesting city to start doing combat in. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it doesn't feel like... Uh, it. It's not the same feel. It's a no. different feel. And that's okay. It. I still can enjoy it for what it is. But in part, that's why I don't really think of them as a true MMO. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a massively multiplayer. It's me and my buddies or me solo. Right. Yep. I 100% agree. Hey, you know one popular MMO that uh, neither of us mentioned, and I don't think either of us have tried unless you have, and I didn't know about it, uh, RuneScape. Ooh, no. I thought you were going to say The Matrix online. (laughs) No, I haven't tried that one either. No, (laughs) that was uh, uh, a massive disaster. It wasn't even, I don't think it was around long. It was just I remember a, when it launched because uh, I remember reading some Slashdot articles about it. Yeah, it's just an epic, awful game. But yeah, uh, but yeah RuneScape, I, I don't know why, but I've had, I've never had any desire. Maybe I just missed the boat on it. It came out too late, or I don't know. You? Any, I know you've heard of it and you've seen a lot about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen tons about it, and I've definitely heard about it a million times, but I never gave it a try, and I don't think I will. I think I just... No, uh, me either. <laughs> I missed the boat on that one, you know? Yep. Uh, I For whatever reason, it just didn't work. I didn't 
I didn't get into it, and I probably won't. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know, man. I think the the search for a amazing uh, sandbox MMO is probably going to take more time than I'll end up playing any of these games. But how about you? Yeah. You think the MMO genre is just kind of petering out? It seems that way if you look at the, the player counts. Yeah, no, I think there's still room for that experience. But I think, one, <clears throat> so many of them got hung up on um, looking at what they thought were good things about World of Warcraft and replicating those, that it, it's really, really rare to see a, a unique take on an MMO, you know? And that's, I think, what we need because, look, the 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 theme park wow type uh, with total structure just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then a total sandbox with no structure just doesn't work. But there's a lot of nuance in between. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like it's got to be one or the other. There's a mountain of nuance in between. So I think someone could largely get it right across the board. Right. Um, where they keep the sense of freedom intact, but there's enough structure there. I feel like it'd take a lot of work, a lot of programming. Uh, but I feel like there's still potential there. I, I wouldn't write it off yet, but the more I try MMOs, uh, the more disheartened I get at the chance of finding something not only that I would love for a long period of time, that uh, my group of friends would love as well. I think um, I see nothing in sight. No, me either. Black Desert felt like it did it for a little while, uh, but the end game was just horrible. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. It doesn't exist now in my mind. Nothing I played, nothing I think has been released. But I don't think it's impossible for something to come along. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe even if something, you know, if something does come along uh, that just nails it all, uh, it could be the next quote unquote. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but what I don't like. But it, what it, I think it would have to do is not be wow. It, it, and I know that's the point you're getting at. It would have to nail. <clears throat> it would have to be its own killer app. It would yeah. have to define itself instead of trying to duplicate what all of these other games have already done. Absolutely. And then to that point, this is the big thing I wanted to bring up. The big thing is this this live service game shit mm-hmm. that is just fucking this is the trend that we need to get away from, whether it's Fallout 76 or Anthem or they take a game they release it half ass and ask yeah. for sixty dollars and say, "Hey, we got this two year roadmap. Let us let us tell you yeah. about this two year roadmap." Don't worry We're, that it's sixty dollars. We'll charge you one hundred twenty dollars through uh, the next year to make it a full game. Exactly. So it's like <laughs> if you stick with us through this shitty game for two years, we might deliver something good in that process. Fuck that. I want a but, game. You're going to get a Founders Gate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want a game that's worthy of playing out of the box. Mm-hmm. And then when they continue the build, they're only making it better, not turning it into 
a, an actual game two years down the road. And that's my thing with a lot of these live service games, which seem to be replacing the MMO, mm-hmm. whether it's Division 2 or, you know, the, all these live service games, they're replacing MMOs because they continue to make them these big things, and they but they're bland as fuck, and they're not worth their $60. And it's all on the promise that eventually they will. Well, guess what happens over the next two years? A million games come out. A million games more worthy than their game. And I'm not going back. I've got my hands full, you know? So I really loathe, absolutely loathe, loathe this current model, this current game, live service, whatever the fuck you want to talk about, games as a service, in the way that they just release a half-assed game and expect you to stick around for two years. Mm. Uh, No, I'm not doing that. You should make a real game and then build on it over the next two years. Yeah. And that's what I expect out of an MMO, and that's what these guys are doing instead is this uh, games-as-a-service type thing. Right. And uh, that's the model I, I really don't enjoy at all. Um, I loathe it, in fact. I think it's it's just abysmal for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just um, I don't like it. So I think that, for me, plays a heavy part in... Not only the discussion of MMOs, but games like Destiny and, and Division and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's not to say they can't make a viable game eventually, but it's bullshit. Right. And, and you know, honestly, I think Division was, or Division 2 rather, was the only one of these games that um, actually had a decent friggin' launch. I you enjoyed can look it at out al- of the box. Almost yeah. every one of them. Warframe had a lot to do to uh, build itself back up. Uh, Destiny 2 had a really tough launch. Anthem is dead in the water. Fallout 76, we've all heard how that turned out. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I agree with 100% with what you're saying, though. These This game's a service and pre, uh, what do they call it? pre-order games not pre-order but uh beta early access game early bullshit. access there we yeah, go yeah. Uh, it's just bullshit yeah it's just uh hey fund our bullshit while we just sputter out some more fucking bullshit over the next two years to maybe or maybe not make this eventually worth the 60 dollars you initially paid and by the way we're gonna charge you another 120 along the way so mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd actually be okay with – I'm okay with, like, the GoFundMe and Kickstarter games. That's cool. That's great. But don't Kickstarter all this money and then release an early access game two years into it, you know? Yeah. And and then – and yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. And and here's the other problem with uh, us as gamers is we're so impatient and we're so – Mm-hmm. We get into the hype so bad that we make fucking terrible choices as consumers, and then yep. we shape the industry ourselves in the wrong way. We yep. pre-order nonsense, even though we know it's going to be a rushed, buggy mess. We do all kinds of stupid things, We but we buy early access and then gripe about it. Oh, this game sucks. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's nothing what I thought it would be. Yeah, it's an early access game. 
hoping that it's going to pan out in the end. Like, mm-hmm. stop doing these things as consumers. Mm-hmm. Stop pre-ordering iffy games unless you, unless it's such a tried-and-true IP that right. you could literally bank your money on it being top quality. Stop supporting that shit. The problem is the, the hype wheel gets going, and all yep. these dumb consumers line up and, and buy the bullshit, and then it doesn't matter how bad it is. The 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 uh, publishers are saying, "Hey, we made a killing on this shitty game. Guess right. we can keep st- sticking with the same model." And and you hit the nail on the head with that too, because not only do the consumers get caught up in the hype, but the uh, the publishers and developers get caught up in the hype as well. And I think a perfect case in point is uh, the game Josh was all excited about, Ashes of Creation. Mm. Right. So it looked amazing. It looked incredible for a year or more. And then uh, they launched their early access and then they got wound up into the battle royale excitement and turned their MMO (laughs) somehow tried to cross that into a battle royale PVP simulator. (laughs) And and all of these great things about the MMO kind of just vanished. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that because of the developers or publishers or whoever is guiding or financing it at that point, um, you know, launching the early access games, then changing the it, it seems to me like the initial concept for Ashes of Creation changed wildly after the early access. And I wasn't in the alpha and I don't know a whole lot about the game other than what jo- um, our friend of the show josh my brother has told me about it but um it seemed like they had a really solid idea for the game and they never realized it because i guess in my opinion they dumped it out in early access and then changed course to try to capitalize on something yeah yeah well um Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You you never know what you're getting with the early access shit, right? So mm-hmm. I don't like that already. But um, it, yeah, exactly. They can change course on a, on the drop of a hat. Uh, then suddenly, an MMORPG that you've been looking at for the last two years in development becomes a battle royale game. Right. <laughs> that's the funniest. That's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's not that's not okay. And and but we continue to give money to these guys instead of waiting, being patient, waiting for some consensus, waiting for release. Mm. Stop pre-ordering shit that we don't know already is going to be like, you know, if you're a giant fucking, I don't know, Naruto fan, and they're releasing right. a, a a Naruto game. Uh, and and you're already like that's your thing well pre-order it you know like who cares if it's mediocre you're gonna play the shit out of it anyway right but if you know the the pre-order and the the early release and the games as a service i'm so tired of the the triple a space man um and that's really where for the most part that's why look i don't i'm not i don't continue to be a nintendo fanboy because I like just wasting money. I do it because the quality I know 
that I expect is mostly always going to be there with yep. some few exceptions. Like the and, fucking controllers. And that's, yeah, fucking controllers. Oh, oh God. But And then look at uh, the indie space. I've been pursuing games in the indie space so much harder over the last handful of years because I wait, I don't catch wind of these things until they release and then i'm looking at them i'm like that looks like a fantastic game i see that it's got like overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam i look at some videos i listen to a few reviews wow okay that looks legit Mm -hmm. but the murky waters of the triple a experience and the early access and the live service and blah dude it's just garbage man it's no good for the consumer yeah i agree I agree. Well, man, what do you think? Do you think we uh, we defined an MMO or uh, no? Solved, we do you think we solved the MMO problem? Mm-mm. No, oh. not yeah. even close. I think I just uh, rambled off some random things that almost seemed like they related, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think. Um, I think. I- I think the MMO problem will be solved when I jump in and play the shiny new theme park MMO and then jump into the uh, looter shooter thinking that that's what I want and then swearing it all off and going back and playing EVE Online for a while and then repeating ad infinitum. Yeah, so what you're saying is we're (laughs) we're screwed. We're screwed. We're never going to get... That that dragon we've been chasing, it doesn't exist. No, I don't think we'll ever get the Clan Lord or Ultima Online ever again. Son of a bitch. Damn. So why are we playing all these things? Why do we keep <laughs> I think we're just gonna keep doing it too. I don't think, I think so. we're ever gonna let it go. I think we're gonna keep playing these things, keep mm-hmm. getting disappointed, and uh yep. we're gonna be here at sixty talking about the same shit. Yep. Yeah, at some point in a nursing home, we're going to be sitting there telling these kids on whatever the new online game is that back in the mid nineties, yeah, couldn't early two thousands, the clan lord in Ultima, we had the real, the real yeah. stuff. I know. <laughs> well, brother, what do you think? You want to wrap her up? Yeah, let's do it. But look, this uh, today felt a little fluff. Uh, what I would, I'd like to dig deep into something with you, like yeah. something exciting. I want to talk about. You want to talk about some big. consciousness or some yeah. meditation? Uh, I'll talk about both those things. We should talk yeah. about that. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about ISPs with you. I'm really curious Ooh. to get your take on ISPs, man. ISPs philosophy. Uh, I'm going to look at that stoicism. I, I want to dig into something. I feel like we're just glossing over some things. I want to mm-hmm. have a, a real deep dive with mm-hmm. you on something that we're both going to be swear at, angry, emotional about. <laughs> right. And just dig into that shit. Yeah, I think that would be great. And uh, yeah, something a little more passionate about. I mean, I'm passionate about MMOs. Don't oh, get me but wrong. me too. Me too. But and it's fun to talk <laughs> about because I know. Way. 
Yeah, we're never going to find what we're looking for. That's funny that we realized that, though. I love that we're like, yeah, we're kind of fucked, but we're just going to keep trying, you know? Uh, But it'd be fun to really dig into something with you. And I, for some reason, I'm curious as fuck as your take on um, the state of Internet service providers in the United States. I don't know why. I can't explain why. But I'm super curious about your take on that mostly cynical about them now i was pretty politically active uh during basically all of obama's tenure as far as uh pushing regulation and uh yeah let's talk about that another day though (laughs) okay so okay we should probably shut the hell up okay um yeah let's talk soon man i enjoyed it as always as always I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, brother. You too, my man. Take care. All right. See you all next week. Later. Later.